Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Are you guys like incredibly close this morning? Or? Holy moly. Hope has done some reorganizing of chairs. Wow. You guys even come in the rain. Amen. Amen. All right, let's try to find everybody's seats. There we go. You know, there is an 1115 service. You can sleep in, come to both, whatever. The sign is up. That sign is up. That's our temporary one. The other one's still being made. It's got to be made from scratch. But the temporary one is up. It's highly visible from the road now. Thank you, everybody who's been helping. I've been doing the night shift, showing up about 11 o'clock at night, staying until 5 in the morning. That's what I've been doing. Aaron and I have been there working until all hours of the night. Various things. We ran conduit through the roof for the internet the other night along with Travis until 4.30 in the morning, something along those lines. But anyway, things are going good, but we have a long ways to go, trying to reach our goal by which we will. There is no option. By February 27th, which is the last Sunday of the month. So two weeks from today is what we are shooting for. It is monumental. It is a lot. Some of you might get frustrated. I want to address this with you. Like, what do I, what can I do? Well, there are specific things. It may not be what you want to do. But there are things for people to do, but it may not be what you want to do. I mean, it is what it is right now. I mean, what I am is a, I, I pick up things and I put them down. <laughs> Nobody asked me to paint because I'm the world's worst painter. I just do, I do the menial tasks that I'm available. Basically, Aaron and Travis held conduit while I put in conduit while I held things open and grabbed hold of things. That's all, I, that's all I've been doing. But there are a few things to do, but right now we're kind of in the expert phase. We have air conditioning's going on the roof. Francois isn't here, isn't he? There he is. Cranes coming in with giant ACs, putting them on the roof, trying to replace the air conditioners that were there when I was in high school. It's absolute fact. I threw two of them off the roof. My, me and Jer threw two of them off the roof. Two air conditioners. They just disconnected them, left them on the roof. So the building, it, it's, now that the building's mine, it makes me mad at the, how they treated it before. I didn't care. I didn't care three months ago, but now, hey, how could you treat it so bad? Of course, Jer, is Jer in here anywhere? Yeah, there he, is. he did his own roof renovations by his foot going through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> leak Hero, that's his company, Leak Hero. He created a leak and now he has to be our hero and fix the leak. <laughs> that's just kind of the phase where we are, we're at right now. I mean, the roof uh, is being, well, the roof got soft washed, what's called soft washed on Friday. The repairs will start this week. It has to be sealed. It's a mess. It's a mess. That roof was put in when I was in high school. Nobody did anything with it. We talked to the roofer uh, about it. And he said, basically, every time he went up there and said, this is what you need to do, A, B, C, or D. And they said, just patch it. And that's what's been going on for decades. 
but we are not a church like that. If you, now, we may be in a tile store right now, but look around here. Faultless. Type A personality. And we will, we will be rushing towards that mark every second that we own that building. Now, the thing is, the building really, for all intents and purposes, in comparison to the power and presence of God, means nothing. But you have to honor God's stuff. It's God's business. It's God's money. You make it the best that you can make it. The reason why I stayed sane during the building process was because I didn't really care that much about it. All I care about is the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. That's what matters to me. Yeah, the building is great. And people lie, you know, people say goofy things like the pastor doesn't matter. The building doesn't matter. The Christians don't matter. It all matters. But nothing matters in comparison to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what that building will be, is a house, a, a, a place to house the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. That's what it's all about. We'll be ministering. We'll be ministering better. We'll be ministering differently. You know, if I, what if I wanted to pray over somebody right now? Dan's in the way. I mean... <laughs> So, you know, things will, things will change to some extent, but, you know, it'll still be the same church. Church service will be a little bit longer, probably about two, two and a half hours. I don't know how long we run now. So it starts at, you guys are about an hour and 50 minutes, something like that. So it'll be a little bit longer. The second service runs a solid two hours. So we'll be in the two hour bracket, depending on how long worship goes and everything else. Nothing, but, you know, ostensibly nothing's going to change at all. Fellowship will be a little wackadoo at first until we kind of figure it out because fellowship is kind of behind the stage. We're clearing it. They have a cafe there and the old, what was their youth center. We're clearing that all out for fellowship. So at the end of church, you can either go out the main entrance because you're a jerk and you don't want to fellowship with anybody or you can go, and I'm just kidding, or you can just go to the back and there'll be a cafe there for everybody. But we'll be doing basically the same thing. But Anyway, so there'll be some growing pains. Make sure that you don't become a pouty pants if things don't go your way. Things are not, listen, things don't go anybody's way all the time. Things don't go my way all the time. Think I liked it when Francel told me about the air conditioners? Let me tell you how many need to be replaced. How many do you want to replace them all? We'll just pull the trigger. Let's replace them all. Whatever needs to be replaced up there. It didn't go my way. What would have been my way is Francel coming up to me and saying, man, they are pristine. They are perfect. It's going to be bone chilling cold in here for the rest of time. It's not the case. He's got cranes out there lifting up giant bricks of air conditioners onto the roof. It is what it is. Amen. Amen. So just be stand by as we need help. We will put out the message for it. Get with Travis. If you want to help, get yourself on a list with him and see what it is. But it may be out there slinging sod. I don't know. So be ready for that. You just got to be ready. It may not be, you know what, we need you to go in and, and uh, etch out a, sca a statue out of wood for us. We're not, you know, we may not need that. So just be ready for what it is that you, what it is that you are needed for. That's, I vacuum floors. That's what I do right now. I vacuum floors and I pick up debris. I haul things to the dumpster. That's the pastor's job. That's what I've been doing from 11 o'clock at night till five in the morning, most days this week. That's what I've been doing. So if I'm all right with it, I basically, listen, like at that time, I kind of work for Aaron. Aaron normally works for me, but I kind of work for Aaron. What do you need? What am I doing? Oh, can you haul that out to the dumpster? Okay. So I'm hauling giant heavy things out to the dumpster and trying to figure out a way to clean and jerk them into the dumpster. 
you know. So be ready to serve. Amen. Amen. But, and also be ready to give. I know some of you and a lot of you have given a lot already. You need to be asking God, how can I give more? Got a sporadic amen. So you start hitting the wallet now. You start hitting the wallet. They're like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I trust them or not. Listen, because you've given, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do something that I'm not doing. I pulled $100,000 out of my own retirement. I've given 40 of it so far. So I get $40,000 out of my, that's my, not what I get paid at the church. That's my own savings. I've given that. I'm going to give 100000 sometime within probably most of it this year. I'll give all of that. And, I will, and, then, and if God tells me to give more, I'm going to give more. If God tells me to give more, what's he going to do? He's going to provide more. See, that's what a lot of people don't get about giving. You're so consumed with what's, what's the church going to do with that? Am I getting ripped off? That you won't even open up your heart for God's provision. This is tithe, tithe messages are for you, not for God. God's fine. He owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. He has no need of your money at all. He can just make money happen. He can make gold appear. He doesn't need your money. It's about you and your ability to receive. So be praying, Lord, expand me, Pro profit me, provide for me so that I can give more. Unless it's been prophesied that we're going to pay that building off in 18 months. And I believe that's the case. I do. Rodney Howard Brown paid us a visit um, on Friday. I was dead to the wall asleep. I, got, I, I was awoken on time, however. But I'd been up to, you know, since, well, Aaron and I worked there. Aaron and I worked there until 530 in the morning. And then I came home and putzed around, <laughs> didn't go to bed till nine in the morning. You're like, Tom, how do you do that? I don't know. I've always been that way. I'm just kind of a night owl. But anyway, he came and, and visited and, and uh, just loved every minute of it. He was enamored by that in the children's area, it says FC on the walls. He didn't mean it was made for us. I mean, just God would have just made the building for us. We've gone from 7,000 square feet, a little over 7,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet overnight. <laughs> Overnight. But it's God's provision. I stand in awe. Amen. Amen. Not much of a COVID update because here's the thing. They're running for the hills. There's not a whole lot to update. You need to just watch. You need to watch what these evil people are doing. And the saddest thing is, is I, I know you hear this from me every week and you hear it. If you watch the podcast, every podcast, and it's on purpose on the podcast. I don't know about in the church service, but it's on purpose during the podcast is I'm still, I still marvel at the silence of the church. Now I want you to think of it. I want you to think right now, who is hardcore? Who is hardcore anti-vax mandates, anti-vax passports in the church? When you have a church that's commanded to occupy until he comes, you have to ask yourself, where are the churches that are speaking out against the QR coded mark of the beast? I don't, I don't see any outside of the names that I mention all the time. The Rodney Howard Browns, the Jonathan Shuttlesworth, the Arthur Pulaski's. Arthur Pulaski is right now in prison. I talked to him on the phone about 10 days ago before he got arrested. We're in communication with his wife. We always support them. We'll continue to support them. We'll continue to send them thousands of dollars as he makes his stand. What's, what's he in prison for? What's he in? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know, Tom. Who, 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 are you to, who are you to decide where the church's money goes? I, I do decide where the church's money goes. If you don't like it, have me audited. 
Go right ahead. I don't care. I got apps. I'm, see, I'm not like Anthony Fauci. I've got nothing to hide. My emails are not redacted. <laughs> Go right ahead. But we will, we will continue to support him with thousands upon thousands of provisional dollars because he's in prison for mischief. That's his charge. Mischief for conducting church services. He conducted an outdoor church service for one of the trucker rallies. And that's what he was arrested for. And, that's, and by the way, that's the stand. He's not, he's not supposed to be a radical. He's supposed to be normal. All of us are supposed to be exactly like that. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're all radicals. You'd never survive this church. Who's been here for more than a month? Shout amen. Yeah. yeah, you're weird. You are so weird. You are out there. You're an absolute zealot radical if you survive this church. Amen. And you should be. You should be that way. It should be hardcore. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Whatever is more than these from, is from the evil ones, from the devil. You stand. That's Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. A lot of people would not consider what Jesus said to be loving. A lot of people would never survive Jesus. They never come to his church that are currently allegedly born again believers. But there is nobody speaking right now. It is dead silent around the world from the evangelical church. And that shows you how biblical prophecy will unfold. It does not mean that we are not going to win a generation to the Lord. Amen. We are. And here's the thing. I believe that we have a measure of time in these last days. I think it is years, by the way, but that's my opinion. No one knows about the day or hour. Nobody knows exactly. We will be gone before the worst of it. We'll be gone before the worst of it. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. That, that's the truth. But in the midst of these beginnings of sorrows, we must stand, but the church is completely silent. Not this church and not a few others, but mainly they're completely silent. Because here's the thing, they do not, they are unable to distinguish between voices. They cannot tell between the voice of the enemy, the voice of the world, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. They can't tell it. Or they can, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Either they don't know or they've rejected it. For whatever reason it may be. But right now, the globalist elitists, and that's what this has been about from day one. That sounds like right-wing conspiracy theory. Well, here's the thing. I said this on the podcast last night. What right-wing conspiracy theory has not come out to be true? <laughs> Name it. I'm, just, I'm not talking about QAnon, crazy, all that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about tunnels under Disney. I'm talking about this. What right-wing conspiracy theory about COVID has not come out to be true? Has not turned out to be true? What? Which one? Uh, we said that, it, that the virus was created in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's a man-made virus. It is. We said that it was funded by Anthony Fauci. It was. We said that it was funded by Peter Daszak. It was. We said that it was funded by Bill Gates. It was. Said that the vaccines attack immunity. They do. People are dropping dead all throughout the globe. And I'm telling you, we've prayed this on the podcast. Make sure you're in agreement with me that all the deaths and all the misinformation about the vaccine would be exposed. 
Because it's all been about from day one. The vaccine has got nothing to do, has absolutely nothing to do with stopping transmission or keeping people healthy or stopping infection. What it has to do with is getting to the vaccine passport. Read your Bible. This is all that matters. This, is, this will be your guidepost. When you see it, it's not right-wing conspiracy theory. The book of Revelation, chapter 3, 16 through 18, 13, 16 through 18, is not conspiracy theory. It will unfold, and it is unfolding. It's up to us to hold the line. It's up to us to stand, and then once we've held the line, advance and take the devil's territory back. That's what we are supposed to be doing. You're like, this is awfully radical for church. Just because your version of Christianity is not the Bible. If this is radical to you, what I'm saying, please understand that your version of Christianity is incorrect. If it is subdued and it is passive, you are wrong. Please understand the references to warfare in the word of God. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with, with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, putting on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. See, this is not a placid faith. If, that is, if, you're like, if, you, believe that, if you believe that Christianity is all about peace and worldly love, understand that you've been deceived. It is not. Jesus himself said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. Whoops. That just blew up your whole, Jesus himself said that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. It's a radical faith. Amen. Some of you are looking at me in stunned silence. I know you want to sing Amazing Grace again. And it, and it is an amazing grace, but your version of it's wrong. This is a zealous, hardcore, take stands kind of faith. Everybody should be an Arthur Pulaski. Everybody should be a, a Rodney Howard Brown. We were certainly willing, but they're running now. The, le the globalist elites are running now for a time. Like I said on the podcast, when you hook a large fish and you don't have the test line that will hold that fish, what do you have to let it, what, what do you have to let that fish do? You got to let it run. You got to open the spool and let it run. That's all they're doing right now with hooked fish. They're letting them run. Well, you know, Kathy Hochul, Phil Murphy, Tom Wolf, you know, we're going to drop our mask mandates. Oh, thank you. But notice their vaccine mandates are not dropped. And as soon as they get, all they're doing is getting themselves a little wiggle room because their polling data is saying COVID is hurting you. 
So they're pulling off of it so they can get votes again and then reinstitute it again. I can tell you, if you actually track the news like I do, the UK has been doing this for two years. The UK, everyone, oh, the UK's dropping all their, their COVID restrictions. They've done that three times before. And then put them right back. All the, if you, if you actually track the news and you look at, you look at behind the scenes what's happening, all of these politi politicians are still holding on to their emergency order power. They're still saying, you know, we have emergency power so they can bring them right back whenever they want. That's why, here's the thing, we have to stand and you have to vote for the right people. You've got to vote for radicals. Well, I don't know if that radical can win. Vote for him anyway. We've been saying that for years in our country's $30 trillion in debt. And more Republicans have won presidential elections than Democrats. Republicans have won more elections than Democrats from 1980 until now. And we are $30 trillion in debt. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's a right versus wrong thing. And do you have enough guts to stand, even if it costs you your job? That's the thing. Nobody, nobody takes a stand that will cost them their job. I'm not talking to you in here necessarily. But a lot of people, they won't. That's why all the cops worldwide are a bunch of COVID cavers. They're a bunch of Stalinist Nazis who are enforcing laws that are in violation of the constitutions of their states. Canada's, Canada's Charter of, of, of Rights and Freedoms. Just violating them left and right because they don't want to lose their job. What does it matter if you have a job but you're working for Adolf Hitler? I'd rather be unemployed. Thank you very much. That's what you're, these are the stands you're supposed to take as a believer. So don't, don't, don't rejoice in that the tide is turning, in that we are winning battles. But understand that they are simply retreating, right? They're retreating. They have not surrendered. And here's the thing. Always remember this. They are zealous. They're zealous. They're stupid. Really, really stupid people, but very zealous. I mean, they take, they, they know that worldwide, everybody has a camera, but they're still living like it's 1987. Remember in 1987, if you wanted to take a picture of something, what did you have to do? You had to have a camera. You didn't have a camera with you 24 seven. And these, these fools are out there pushing mask mandates and taking pictures of themselves without masks on. In the very arenas that they're supposed to have masks on because they still in their mind think, first of all, they're just above everybody else, but they don't realize that, you know what, if you take a picture of yourself and you're the governor of the state of California or the mayor of, of the city of San Francisco or the mayor of the city of Los Angeles and you take a picture of yourself at the NFC championship game without your mask on when you've mandated that everybody else in the building has to wear a mask, uh, it might get out. They're zealous, but they're incredibly stupid, and we can pray on their stupidity because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We're smarter because of Jesus. Don't believe anything that you see right now as far as it being permanent, but do rejoice in the victories. Do rejoice. The Pfizer's losing every court battle. They're losing every court battle. Joe Biden is losing every court battle. Pfizer wants to hide their documentation for 75 years. No, it has to be released in eight months. Then Pfizer comes back and tries to put an injunction on that release that they're the ones that will decide what gets redacted and what doesn't. Judge said no to that too. 
Why, why, would, why, would the, why would the CEO of Moderna, the chief executive officer for Moderna, why would he sell off all of his Moderna stock and delete his, delete his Twitter page? That's what he did yesterday. That's an absolute fact. He's not denying it. Go check it. He sold off all, his, all, all of his Moderna stock, $400 million worth, and he's not the only one. And see, all of this stuff, I'm going way too long with this, 10 Engaging my time. Uh, everything needs to be exposed. Tom, that, you know, what do you, this doesn't sound like a very biblical message, really. When you're dealing with trying to get people to not be able to buy, sell, trade, or travel without swiping a QR code, it's biblical. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, everything that's covered will be revealed and hidden, and everything hidden will be known. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Just found out, just found out yesterday that Hillary Clinton, this is absolute fact, this is not from me, this is not from, from Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or anybody else, this is from John Durham, the special prosecutor, who just uncovered that Hillary Clinton hired tech experts to, to hack into Trump's computer systems and try to generate Russian collusion stories. Absolute fact, there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Now it will stay hidden if you don't join me and pray for it all to be exposed. And what needs to happen is when people come into power that can do something about it, they need to do something about it. Period. It's not, well, you know, we're going to move on. Let bygones be bygones. The past is the past. It's not the past if they're continuing to do it. Clarence Thomas was destroyed by Anita Hill. And since he never did a thing about it, I love Clarence Thomas, but he never did a daggum thing about it. What should he have done? Sued her for defamation. And then you set a precedent that nobody's going to come and lie under oath again whenever you are confirming Supreme Court justices. Well, lo and behold, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, 2 Corinthians 2.11, it happens again. With Christine Blasey Ford, with Brett Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, another harem eunuch who did absolutely nothing about it. You have to take action. See, it gets quiet in here because that's not your Christianity. Yes, it is. I'm telling you, that's the Bible. You, you are not supposed to be passive. You are not supposed to be a victim. I'll show you. Sanctification, I'll start preaching the message. That was all free. Every last bit of it. You don't have to give anything extra in the offering. That was all free. <laughs> Sanctification. Tom, you still on that? Yeah, I, I preach until God tells me to stop. I'm not, I don't got, oh wait, you know what? There's only six parts to that message series on the arkchurchsermon.com website. No, I just pray over the message. I say, God, give me your message. Here it is. Sanctification, to make holy. Render legitimate, to entitle to reverence or respect, which the church does not have. The world should be terrified of the church. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Tom, that's not love. That's because your version of love is the world's version. It's been peddled to you by Hollywood and you've swallowed it like a horse pill. That is the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 
It's the New Testament. God will destroy. Yes. He's real. He's to be feared. Amen. Fear in the Bible. Whenever you see the word fear, you'll hear all the soft pedal pastors, like I haven't used his name for a while, like Pastor Skip. Pastor Skip verses. He pedals, he's the one who pedals all the lies around all the ark churches. He's a traveling minister. Listen, God is for real. He's a, he's, he, he is who the Bible says he is, period. Sanctification is hardly ever preached about, but it needs to be. Sanctification is not an option, it's an emergency. Render legitimate, to entitle to reverence or respect, to make productive or conducive for spiritual blessing. Whenever you see the fear of the Lord in the Bible, it is not simply reverence like Pastor Skip Verses likes to tell you. It's just a reverent fear. No, no, no. These people love to use the Greek until it inconveniences their false narrative. If you go into the Greek or the Hebrew, the word fear throughout the Bible, basically 100% of the time, it's 99.9 or 90 plus percent of the time means awful to reverent and it's supposed to mean the entire thing really feel like scared to death, horror movie fear of God all the way to reverent where you worship him. It means the entire gamut. Whatever it is, whatever it is that lands for you is how it's supposed to be. For the unsaved, it should be awful. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who said that? Jesus, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. You're supposed, if, so if you're unsaved, that's where you should fear. Whatever is relevant for you, what's ever applicable for you is how you should fear. If you're somebody who's saved, you shouldn't fear hell's torment, except if you're tempted by sin. Then go back to Matthew 10, 28. You're welcome. See how quiet I can make a room? See, whenever you actually start preaching the Bible, it actually violates Christians' narratives. That's not what I was taught. That's because you weren't ever taught the Bible. I was hardcore. Amen. Sanctification is not an option. It's an emergency. Render legitimate to entitled to reverence or respect to make productive or conducive to spiritual blessing. You, all of us, we need to learn to be useful. A lot of us, the only usefulness that we have is our own self-aggrandizement. It's all about, well, I'm growing, I'm changing, this is happening in my life. That No, you're supposed to be reaching thousands. In some form or fashion, every person in this room is supposed to reach thousands. See, like I connect with Rodney Howard Brown so that I can reach millions. You should do the same thing. Keep connecting, keep connecting. God will open doors and through some form or facet, you will reach thousands. That is God's goal. But a lot of Christians are just all about themselves. Well, I grew, you know, this week. This door opened up for me. This happened for me. Pray for me. Let me put out another thing on Facebook to everybody. Pray for me this week. How do you want us to pray? I don't know. Just make sure that it's all, the focus is on me. So pray for me. We need to be made useful in these last days, in these beginnings of sorrows. 
Don't try to calculate days or hours. We could be here 10 more years. He could be here 50 years. But the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight. Be made useful in these beginnings of sorrows. Well, I've wasted so many decades. Better is one day. Be useful in your remaining decades. If you're 80 years old, according to the Bible, you've got 40 years left. I know you don't believe that right now. I know you don't. You know why you don't believe it? Because you don't read the Bible. What are you talking about, Tom? Well, you've heard it all the time in this church. It's Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. There's all kinds of societies throughout the globe right now. People are completely healthy walking around at 110, but the average age of death in the world's most prosperous country is 77. Think about that. It's a 33-year difference. 33-year difference. But we are to be made useful in these last days. Colossians chapter one, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I wanna tell everybody this when it comes to the new building. Don't lose your spirituality because of the building. Don't become a non-Christian because you're trying to get things done. If you can't handle doing both, choose prayer. Choose Bible study. I will not sacrifice my walk with God for bricks and mortar. I will not do it. Understand that. Well, it sounds like you just don't want to work. Then you don't know me. Useful, worthy. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Let's use, let's use the word worthy. Worthy, not clinging. Most Christians have been taught to cling. Let me hang on until heaven. Now be honest with yourself. How many of you is that your walk with God right now? I am hanging on towards heaven. I don't think of myself as being made useful or being made worthy that I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. How many of us are in that place? We're just hanging on till heaven. Understand that that orthodoxy is heresy. Hanging on toward for heaven is not the Bible. That is not your call. That you are the exact same as the person that I just said who's, who's asking for prayer on Facebook. Oh, I'd like to ask everybody for prayer this week. What for? I don't know, but as long as the focus is on me, you're no different. We are to be made worthy of the Lord. We are to be made useful. Useful is the Bible. Clinging is weak sauce taught by our church pastors. Their grand poobah being, pastor skip verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What does that mean, profitable for doctrine? Scripture should be your doctrine. Yeah, but God swallows people in the desert in there. That's not my loving God. Your loving God is a, is a figment of your imagination. You're not following the God of the Bible. Do you know, have you ever read the book of Revelation? He spills blood. He has an angel spill blood to the level of a horse's bridle throughout the globe. That's, that's the God. That's the God. Are you going to worship him or not? You want to receive him as Lord and Savior or not? He's, that's God. 
You know, there's mercy. And, yes, there's mercy and compassion, but few people ever find it. That's also God. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew seven thirteen through 15. Warning you that who's ever preaching you a wide gate and a Broadway, a major street in New York called Broadway because demons always reveal themselves. Just because somebody's preaching something that's accommodating and it feels loving doesn't mean it is. It means that you have been corrupted to the place that you believe in a demonic version of love meant to lure people into the gates of hell. But we, we love you. We love you. But I'm burning in hell for all of eternity. Yeah, but we loved you the whole way. We never told you while you're sitting at your church that living with your girlfriend or lying will send you straight to hell. All we did was we put up some sort of convoluted altar call that said, who wants to follow Jesus this morning for a fresh start and a new beginning? And never said a word about returning from sin. It's not going to fool God. It may feel right, but in the day of judgment, it will not fool God. I saw the dead stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment, that is going to occur and it is immune from weak sauce Christianity. There will be a, people will be stunned on that day. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. We are going to concentrate this morning on correction. Are you all right with that? I've got pieces of paper in my mouth from my cough drop, if you're wondering what I'm doing. <laughs> They've gotten so hot in my pocket that the wrapper melded to it, so I was working it and I didn't get it all out. Now it's jammed up in my gums. And keeps working its way out like I'm mining for silver. It works, it works its way to the top. I talk about everything. If you're like, who's that guy's weird? Yeah, true. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, which means, look at, look at how scripture doubles, doubles down. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, which is correction, and then says for correction again. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to do what? Concentrate on themselves? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under God, under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 10, verse 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're supposed to be active and useful and worthy. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 19. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now I want to ask you this question before we go any further. In our remaining about maybe 34 minutes left. Are you willing to have the eyes of your understanding being enlightened? I know this is people that didn't respond to that. You don't think I'm watching you, but I am. 
Are you willing to have the eyes of your understanding enlightened? What if it hurts you? What if it ruins your entire narrative about yourself? Get ready now. This has been the soft part of the message. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That is all about sanctification. In order for you to be sanctified, your agenda goes. Now. Gone. You have no agenda. You're crucified in Christ. It's gone. Gone for forever. Bought with a price. Are you willing? Because unless you are, you will never be made useful. You have to be cleared out and remodeled to be made useful. If you're wondering why it is that you are limited right now, why it seems that you are constantly corralled, stop blaming other Christians. Stop blaming other pastors. It is you. God would never let you be corralled by a man. You built your own fence and you're in there mooing all on your own. Mm. Oh yeah, but I tried to do something at the church and they wouldn't let me. If God has an agenda for you, no man could put us under. Understand that. But a lot of you don't get submission to men either. You don't get it. If you were just to be still and know that he is God, instead of proffering endlessly your agenda, thinking that if I ask enough times, I'm gonna break my, break my agenda through, mama, mama, mommy, mommy, mama, mommy, mama, mama, mama. You know, you know the cartoon. I can promise you it won't work here. All you're doing is irritating me and putting yourself on the radar. And you're like, you're willing to lose me, Tom? Yes, absolutely. I'm not gonna let you bully your way around this church. You notice how there isn't any of that going on? You might, well, I've seen it once. You won't see it for long. As soon as you fly under my radar, I'm watching you. And why? Why am I watching you? To prove a point or to lord myself over you? No. It's to try to love you into being what God has called you to be and dropping your stubborn, stupid agendas. I see them all the time walk, walking in here. You win nobody, you heal nobody, but you still think you're right. It's impossible to be right and bear no fruit. Luke chapter six, verse 43. Look it up when you get home. Notice how everything that I say, everything I say is backed up by what? Bible verses, very, very specific. It's not just the Bible. It's specific Bible verses. A good tree cannot bear good, bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. If you're bearing no fruit, you are a bad tree. You're welcome. I've lived that way. Why aren't you honest enough or broken enough so the Lord can be nigh unto you? Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Why don't you be that way and actually just be still? Shut up. Stop pushing your agenda. Be still and know that he's God and let him open up doors for you. you let me ask you this. Do you think when I was with Pastor Rodney on Friday, how much of my advice did I give him? 
You're like, what are you, some kind of Rodney Howard Brown sick of it? Maybe, I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. He's my pastor, I love him. Here's the thing. This church service isn't like the rivers, is it? No, we do our own thing. I'm just saying that he's my pastor. He's basically given me a ministry. Do I sit there and go, hey, Pastor Ron, this, you know, I know that you're, you're building an $18 million atrium onto your building. And I know that that's right after you spent $3 million on just updating your building and $1.2 million that you just spent on your sound system for the outdoor part of your church, let alone another mill that's going on the end. I mean, I know that you're spending a million times what I'm spending, but let me give you my financial advice. It wasn't asked, nor do I give it. Why do you give yours when it's not asked? Why? Explain it to me. Explain it to me. Francel doesn't do that. Let's pick on Francel. He's big and he's in the front row. Why not? He's my only black friend. Thank God I have him. I wouldn't be able to say that. To legitimize my non-racism. Francel doesn't come up and ask me about and tell me how to be a pastor. He comes up and says, how can I serve? And then when, he's, when we tell him, Francel, we got a down and dirty, nasty job, he just does it, keeps his mouth shut. People, you know how many times he's walked into this building and everybody comes sprinting in him, whether it's Heather or Hope or me or anybody else? Because the AC went out. That's fun on a Sunday morning. You come here with your family. They don't appreciate you for being a Christian or for being a godly man. No, they're just running at you so you can serve. Never complains about it. Why aren't you like that? No, I want to do this and I want to do it. You're a baby. You're like, what kind of church is this? Exactly what you need. You can run from me all you want, but notice as you do, as you run from me, I want you to think of me 10 years from now. And I want you to count your fruit. Count it. As you haven't gotten nothing so far, here's your chance to change. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? For we have the mind of Christ. Correlate that with Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, you have the mind of Christ given to you at salvation, but you've got to let it be in you. Will you do that? Hardcore correction. I told you this story before. I'm going to tell you again. Aaron, my worship leader, producer of my podcast, is a great example of this also. I told you, when I was on the plane with Pastor Rodney, I was sitting there talking to some of his pastors. I was kind of running myself down. I said, well, you know, I'm just a pastor of a 150-member church at the time. And he pulled me aside and said, I never want to hear you refer to yourself like that again. You know how many times I've said that since? Goose egg. Goose egg. Goose egg. Never. Whenever I tell Aaron, don't ever do that again, I never have to tell him to do that again. You have to let that mind be in you. Even though you want the other way, you feel it, you're drawn. There is a way that seems right to a man. Pushing my agenda. If I ask enough, there is no stupid question. Wrong? There are stupid questions. 
It's not a Bible verse. You, well, you never know until you ask. Don't ask. Let them come to you. God will orchestrate it. If you are doing the work, which is what? Being sanctified. May the God of peace himself sanctify. Who? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24, right? Be still. When I say be still, when you wait on the Lord in Isaiah 40, 31 fashion, wait on the Lord is actually congruent with the word wait staff. Being wait like a waiter, wait on the Lord. Do the work, be sanctified. Works do not save you, but being sanctified opens up God's work in redeeming you and making your mind correct. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. One of the key areas of enlightenment, where we look back at the verse, back, back in Ephesians 1 through 17, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. One of the key areas of enlightenment is recognizing the sign of the times. And these waning like 20 minutes, I push it till 1050, so 24 minutes. So make sure you watch the second service because it connects with this one. One of the key areas of enlightenment is recognizing the signs of the times. This is preaching to the choir in this church. But there's a few people in here who don't. And there's definitely people that are watching. We have a couple, I don't know how many people watch, a lot, every Sunday that are watching online right now all around the world. There's people in England. We are their church. They gather their whole family together and we're it. You know why? We're available. Couldn't, they, couldn't, couldn't God have gotten the nice guy to pastor instead of Tom? He's unavailable. He's out there boot, boot licking Democrats. He's not available. I'm all that's available. All the too cool for school kids aren't available. God had to go to a person who struggles liking people. Because all the other ones want to like you straight to hell. At least I'm willing to save you. You may not like the way I do it. And I may make fun of you while I'm saving you. Or belittle you while I'm saving you. But at least your life is saved. See, the, co the church has been co-opted by a non-biblical faith, a humanized love, a fake kindness. And I will tell you this, challenge one of those fake humanized love Christians. Challenge them about how kind they really are. Really put them to the test if they'll really sacrifice for you. They won't because it's all fake. It's not powered by the Holy Spirit. The reason why I am willing to extend myself for other people, even though I appear to not be as nice, is because I'm actually powered by the Holy Ghost. The key, one of the key areas of enlightenment is recognizing the sign of the times. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. You know what do not expect means? Do not expect. 
including us. It will surprise us also. I've, I've got it all honed in. I'm a Revelation 13 guy. I'm a Revelation 12 guy. I'm pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, 75% trib, 87% trib, whatever. Man, you owe nothing. I know nothing. You know nothing. I stand where I stand in the book of Revelation. Fine. But in all actuality, we know nothing because Jesus said we do. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. But you need to not get ready. The church is always saying, get ready. Get ready. You should be ready 24-7. Get ready. Be ready. You do not know the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. He's coming in an hour that you do not expect. But you should be able to look at the signs of the times and go, you know, wow, it's weird. It's really odd right now, isn't it? It's really odd. It's, it's odd that nobody in Israel... Can buy, sell, trade, or child. They can't leave their country without a QR code on their phone. Canada, you cannot cross the border. Archer Pulaski's not allowed to leave his own country. Not allowed. He'll be arrested leaving his own country. Can't buy, sell, trade, or travel there without your QR coded mark of the beast on your phone. That, that doesn't stir the hearts of the evangelical community? Not a bit. Because they're all about humanized love and fake kindness. Oh, look at us. I haven't brought this up for a while. I did on the podcast last night during COVID. Oh yeah, you know, we've started this food ministry. We're, we're feeding people, you know, the very people that we've caused to be hungry. That's like kicking me in the crotch and giving me a bag of ice. How about not kicking me in the crotch to begin with? Thank you for the ice. Crotch offends your Christianity. You have a crotch. So, sorry. You say it at home, it shouldn't offend you in the church. My pants are a little binding in the, you know, it's all the same thing. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. People think it's all going to be signs and wonders of like miracles and people raised from dead. No, a lot of it's just simple fake anointed preaching. Oh, that's such great new information. You're always learning, but you're never able to actually grasp the knowledge of the truth. You're just endlessly titillated by some little tidbit of knowledge. How about actually, gain, actually grab a hold of the basic principles of the gospel of Jesus and run a while with those for a while instead of having to be endlessly entertained by another book by so-and-so? How about actually having a prayer life Instead of endlessly scrolling and being titillated by the latest and whatever the modern church is putting out. Here is wisdom. One of the greatest forms of enlightenment is understanding the sign of the times. And this is what this verse that I use all the time means. Revelation 13, 18. Here is wisdom. Who wants wisdom? Not many. There's like four people. I just said that out of 200 in here. Who wants wisdom? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Why do you not? You know, a lot of people actually don't. Why? If you know 
It hurts. I'd rather wear the baggy shirt. That's why I never understand the women that I see in Walmart wearing yoga pants. What are you thinking? I don't go around shirtless. You shouldn't be wearing yoga pants. It's cooperation. <laughs> Nobody in my neighborhood ever sees me shirtless. Ever. You can ask the Dexters. They live right next door. I make sure they don't see me shirtless. Nobody. It's called cooperation. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. You should be looking right now. Is there anything at all on the globe that reminds me of the mark of the beast? Is there anything at all that's happened over the last 23 months and 15 days to flatten the curve? Let's see, the entire European Union goes nowhere, can buy nothing without their vaccine passport. Is the church calculating the number of the beast? Are they looking for wisdom? Are they looking for understanding? You know why? They have no fear of the Lord. They're not afraid of God. God for them is nothing more than a cloud of smoke. Oh, look at that. That's all it is. They made them up in their own mind. They have no fear. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man. His number is 666. There will not be a 666 on your forehead. It'll be a QR code or quantum dot tattoo technology on you. It's the number of a man. 666 is symbolic. It's the number of a person. It's humanistic love. It's humanistic. I'm going to care for you. You know, we're looking out for you. You'll own nothing and be happy. Just swipe your hand underneath the machine, just like you do right now with your, your debit card. But it'll just be in your hand. No big deal. All we're asking is for a little bit more time. You should sense it in your spirit. That smells bad. Let's look at zeal before we go. 15 minutes to go. Everybody with me? That's 15 minutes till you have to leave, so I won't even be able to preach 15 more minutes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I say this to the staff of this church, to myself. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't hunger and thirst to get that building done. Don't do it. If you have to today, you need to, listen, you need to go ahead and pull yourself out. People will wonder sometimes, they'll see me in my car, they'll see these stacks of cards that I have with me. I walk it in the neighborhood, I have these stacks of cards in my pants pockets. And I know people think I'm weird because I'm flipping them down, walking, walking the dog, flipping through cards. He stops, my dog has all these dog friends that he stops and sees. I'm like his, I'm like his own uh, camp coordinator. I go around and he stops at a different dogs for him to go see. I'm Barack Obama. I'm his community organizer. But anyway, <laughs> while he's sitting, I'm just flipping through cards and memorizing scripture, memorizing scripture, memorizing scripture. I will not let my spirit be stolen even by a building. 
I won't. That's why I don't do much with it. Tom, are you so excited? No. I love it. It's great. But all I care about is the Holy Ghost. That's my wife. Most of the time with things like this, I've radically failed throughout my ministry. But you see, I was corrected. Are you? Will you be corrected? This may sound like a real beta male thing to say, but I actually listen to my wife. She knows me. I know she's telling me the truth and I know she has my best interests at heart. So when she corrects me, I listen. Do you? Got quiet right there. See how that gets my gift. Got quiet. You should see the facial expressions. Husbands suddenly are fascinated by the steel girders in the roof. Oh, I never noticed that piece of tape up there. I, I wouldn't listen to my wife if she was a stupid idiot. But she's not. Amen. You're probably not married to a stupid idiot either on either side. Amen. You might be, and don't listen to him then. And if you're the stupid idiot, stop being a stupid idiot. Repent. You know you are. You know you're the idiot in the house, don't you? You know you are. You're welcome. This is, this is not a passive faith. Let me just say this to you because I won't get to it in this service. If you're passive, you're wrong. You consider it to be an attribute, you're wrong. Passivity is not in the Bible. Passivity is a detriment. It is not an attribute. I uh, just, you know, whatever happens, happens. You sit back and your wife disciplines the kids. You're a gelding. You're like, Tom, I could beat you up in the parking lot. Great, you're still a gelding. You're a gelding beating me up. That's all you are. Congratulations. God still sees you as the gelding that you are. You're welcome. I'm just telling you, are you willing to receive correction? It is what it is. You're looking at a man who has, waved, who has weaved together great tapestries of stupidity. I've been a gelding myself. But I'm willing to be corrected, are you? This is real church. It's a real message. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be right. Not right in their own eyes. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Isaiah 5, 21. Woe to those who are prudent in their own sight. Same verse. Does that sound like hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Does that, does that sound like hanging on for heaven? More than conquerors, Romans 8, 37, hanging on for heaven. Engaged in warfare, 2 Timothy 2, 2, 24, 2, 4. 2 Timothy 2, 4. Does that sound like hanging on for heaven? The violent take it by force, Matthew eleven twelve. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Does any, any of that sound like hanging on for heaven? None of it. Listen to this. I got to get to this part. Yeah, I'm going to do passive before we go. All right, 10 minutes. Being passive is not Christ-like. What's the definition of passive? You ever look at it? Not reacting visibly to something that might be expected to produce manifestations of emotion or feeling. Not participating readily or actively. Inactive. 
not involving visible reaction or active participation. Inert. Is that the Bible? But that's what's preached in the modern church. What's been the response to what's happened over the last 23 months? Can you believe it's been 23 months? I remember when, I remember when it started. We had a Tuesday night Bible study called Crave that I taught in this room. And I remember Jen Constance said, you know what? I don't think it's ever going to end. And I was like, well, I hope that's not the case. Here we are 23 months later. We were about a month in at the time. You know why it's still here? Because truckers in Canada have to show the church how to stand. Truckers in Canada. I have ripped Canada a new one for the last 23 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. Because they were one of the worst. Australia's the worst. Talking about the five eyes countries. Australia was the worst. Canada was the second worst. We were somewhere third or fourth. We were hardly any better than either one of them. But luckily we have guns. Otherwise, you, I'm telling you right now, you and I would be heading to the, the barbed wire fence, Inglewood COVID camp right now if there were no guns. Me and you, we'd be in there conducting Foundation Church inside the COVID camp, violating their rules, and then been hauled off to prison. But have you seen the interviews with the truckers? These are not stalwart evangelicals. Stalwart evangelical doesn't ride around with an F. Trudeau flag flying out of the back of their semi. But as I've told you before, here in Inglewood, I've run into guys, rednecks, who every single Friday cannot wait to get their 24-pack of Bud Light that will be gone by that Friday night are more apt to show kindness than an evangelical. Real kindness. Not pushy, agenda-driven. Hey, man, what can I do to help? Man, I see you're stuck in the mud. Passivity is not Christ-like. That's why, you know what? We're being put to shame by truckers in Canada. In the evangelical, not this specific church. I'm talking about the evangelical movement worldwide. I mean, I would be, I'm so thankful that we stood. I'm so thankful because right now I'd be looking at them going, that should have been me. What does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17 says, be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. When you're walking your dog, memorize Bible verses. Be zealous all the time. Zealous. Well, you got to take mental health days. That's a lie. I will show you my faith by what I do. James 2.18. Passive means not participating. James 2.18 says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Being passive means inactive or inert. And James 2.18 says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Romans 12.11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Finish in with this. What was Saul's, King Saul's, the first king over Israel, the united Israel, what was his downfall? 
Don't, you can shout it out loud if you want, but I'll tell you what it is. What was Saul's downfall? People will say disobedience. No, it's passivity. He's passive. He was not zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, was he? He was passive. You, you people think <clears throat> they're not a passive person because they're very zealous about their business. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being zealous for the Lord. Are you passive towards him? But you have great zeal for your boat. Great zeal for your child's sport. But you're passive in your relationship with God. You're passive. And you think God's passive. God is anything but passive. He's angry at the wicked every day. And he judges the righteous every day. Psalm 711. He's not passive. Judgment is now. Judgment begins at the house of God. He's not passive. And he's not passive the other way either. As every day he loadeth us, us with benefits. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Rodney Howard Brown would call it heaps. He's not passive. What was Saul's downfall? He was passive. Let's look at it. First Samuel 15, 15. Four minutes to go and we're leaving, roughly. And Saul said, remember what Saul's commission was? Go and kill everybody. Kill them all. Man, woman, child, and beast. All the Amalekites dead. That's all he had to do. But what did he say? He's confronted by the prophet. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. The, all the sheep that hadn't been killed. They also spared the king. For the people spared. The people spared. That's like Jen Psaki from her podium always saying, well, call the Department of Defense when, they, when she's asked a difficult question. You're the president. You're the spokesman for the president of the United States. You are the Department of Defense. Answer the question. But he says, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. He was passive. He was commanded by people. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. He was a man pleaser. He was passive. What was every weak king's downfall? They were passive. They left up the high places. Here's where I'll finish. I don't have time to finish this. I'm going to do it quick. This is where we'll start the second service. So if you want more detail on this, watch the second one. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? He had an eye problem. That's not in the Bible. That's what all, there's people that have written books about it. Paul had an eye problem. Where? Show it. Please. Verses, please. Give me the verses. Separation of church and state. That's not in the Constitution. Certainly it's become the doxology of many people though, has it not? What was his thorn in the flesh? What was it? Let's look. I'll try to do this in two minutes. Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in 
What's this thorn in the flesh? I'll show you. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. He had that eye problem because infirmity in English means sickness. Problem is in the Greek, it means what? Weakness. It's nothing to do with sickness. Not a thing. The word is actually asthenia. Asthenia. And it means weakness, just like the scripture said before. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I boast in my weakness. For when I am weak, do you see it? But everybody makes up their own theology so they can excuse never healing people. I dealt with a guy one time, and he was against healing. I actually told our church not to pray over his cancer-ridden wife. We cared for her. We fed them. We babysat all these different things for them, provided for them. But he told everybody, do not go up to her and tell her she's supposed to be healed. Okay. Idiot. He is. He sat across from me in Chile's and espoused his theology about Paul's thorn in the flesh. I don't remember whether I told him this or not or whether I thought this or not. So don't hold me to either one. But what I either told him or what I thought was, how are you comparing yourself to Paul? You don't even tithe. You have never won a soul. You have never healed anybody. But yet, Paul, for some reason, you don't believe in healing because Paul was given to you, was given a buffer in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself, and you put yourself in that category? If you go by your theology, you have to be the greatest soul winner on the planet, and then God will give you a buffer, an eye problem, so that you don't get haughty. Christians will talk themselves into passivity at a drop of a dime so they never have to answer difficult questions of why am I not producing anything? Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in weaknesses, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. The problem was, is that he was being persecuted by people. That was his thorn in the flesh. Finishing with this, Aaron Rush up here. This will be the fastest closing in the history of Foundation Church. And after I get done reading this one verse. But we got to let them all clomp up here because you guys are not going to pay attention to the final verse, which is the most important one, until they're done. And Dave, try not to drop anything on the stage. Oh, he can't today. I don't think he's got anything heavy over there. He's on the wrong guitar. Do you know where the thorn in the flesh came from? It's in Numbers 33.55. For closing right here. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, are you going to drive out the things that hold you back? Or are you going to let them continue to buffer you your entire life? But if you do not drive, that's what was getting Paul. Was there still the inhabitants in the land? There's nothing he could do about that. But there is, when, when it's ourselves, we can do something about it. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who, who you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. It's people. That was Paul's thorn in the flesh was people. It was causing him distress. He was weak in it. So you have to drive out the very things that are holding you back. And that is called sanctification. Even if it's your own personality. 
Got quiet again. Should amen it. You should amen it. Because it's, listen, I'll close with this. I don't usually use myself as anything else but a funny example. And a lot of times a negative example. But if you symbolically want your church to go from 150 people to 750 people in less than a year or less than two years, you have to make drastic changes. I did. I wasn't pastored two years ago. I am now soundly under the shadow of another man's wing. And look what's happened. I keep my mouth shut when I used to let it swing wide open. What about you? I had to change. I had to be humbled. Those who are the greatest in the kingdom of God are those who humble themselves like this child, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. Will you do that? If you just be still, humble yourself and say, God, I'm yours, move. And when I say be still, remember that's waiting on the Lord. Prayer, Bible study, worship and fellowship. Keep your mouth shut and watch what God does. That's what I did. That's what I did. Amen. And I went from really three years ago thinking about walking away, being done with this. To look where we are now. Five million dollar building. Look at this church, full of these the best church I've ever been around in my whole life are you people, surrounded and blessed by all of you. But that's what it takes. It's a hard right hand turn. Amen. That's all you gotta do. Stand with me. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.